Monday morning theme song here at JM and the AM. This is Benjamin Siegel filling in for my father this morning as the entire JM team returns from the Holy Land. They spent an unbelievable week there. If you haven't heard the shows at some point today, make sure to get over to the archives. You can hear Monday's show from Nefesh Benefesh. Part of it was live on the airplane, an unbelievable experience, incredibly enjoyable to listen to. Tuesday's show from Rigavim, if you haven't heard it yet, you are really missing out to hear about the work that they are doing on the legal side to help the people of Israel is truly amazing. And then Wednesday and Thursday shows from NCSY were just unbelievable. And today you'll get to hear in the second and third hour coming up the show that they did from Akor Chaim in the Gush region, and it was, it ho- it will be an unbelievable show. You, We opened up things here today with Modani, as we always do here at Jam in the M, and then the Monday morning theme song of Maasecha Hashem. We are now in the three weeks format, because yesterday was the fest of the 17th of Thomas, and uh, we will now be in the three weeks format. And to kick that off, we have Yigdal from 613's a cappella album. Fill your home with light. Tell me. 
never forget. And these are the days. And these are the Y studs with the days here. Uh, before that, you heard Yigdal by 613 off of their acapella album. And uh, the Y studs, the days, one of my favorite songs off their EP. It's currently 79 degrees in the New York area with a chance of showers in the vicinity. When I walked in here this morning, the showers were on and off, even from the car to the door. So make sure to have your umbrella handy. Uh, in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Missoura are seeing some uh, a little bit of chilly weather today. 63 degrees in Guilford. Shout out to all the Seagull siblings who are there right now in that 63-degree weather, although probably not up because it is only 5.20 in the morning camp time. And a lot Israel. They are almost at the 100-degree mark, sitting at a comfortable 99 on this Tuesday morning with uh, the sun shining bright in Jerusalem and Yerushalayim. It's 85 degrees and sunny. They have a bit of breaking news this morning out of Florida where uh, two people were killed and 14 others injured after a shooting in Fort My- in a Fort Myers nightclub according to Captain Jim Mulligan of the Fort Myers Police. The shooting took place in the parking lot of Club Blue Blue Bar and Grill, according to CNN affiliate WINK. Police didn't say how many shots were fired, but at least 36 yellow evidence markers were placed around the front of the establishment. Police have detained three people in relation to the incident. Injuries ranged from minor to life-threatening. All victims were transported from the scene by Lee County Emergency Medical Services to area hospitals. Police are working to identify the deceased. And uh, we pray that the people who are there, the people who are injured, uh, have a full recovery, a speedy recovery, and uh, we mourn with the families that have lost somebody in this terrible, horrific um, incident down in Florida this morning. Again, the Jamie and the AM team is back, is on its way back from the Holy Land, ready to bring you a full week of great JM and the AM programming in the three weeks format. Here is a selection of the Mishorim Choir's album. Title is, the track is entitled Hashiva Shovtenu here on JM in the AM. <laughs> Oh! 
Album. Before that, you heard Tinato Nafshi off the same album. And a couple of tracks off of the Mishorim Choir's album, Uvene and Hashiva Shof Tenu. Coming up at about 20 minutes here on JM and the M, you will hear the show that was recorded yesterday from the Makor Chaim Yeshiva in the Gush region of Israel. Sure to be inspiring and amazing to hear all the amazing and wonderful things they are doing there at that Yeshiva to teach and to um, continue to show a strong presence in that region of the Holy Land. Again, if you're just joining us, this is Benjamin Siegel filling in for my father as the Nahum Siegel Network team is in transit on their way back from the Holy Land. Tomorrow they will fill you in, my father will fill you in on all of the happenings over the trip. And again, I say if you haven't listened to any of the shows this week, or if you've only listened to three out of the four, or if you haven't yet heard the full three hours of all four, of all five shows last week, all four from Israel, it is important that you do so. It was an unbelievable week in Israel, and... uh, the shows were unique and different each time and highlighted different aspects of the Holy Land and I implore you and beg you to listen to those when you have a chance today and of course coming up in about 18 minutes 17 minutes you will hear the show from Mikor Chaim yesterday uh, we have a track here from the Maccabees and Shal Sheles entitled Leman Achai off of a joint venture that they did together.
That was a Rimrose She by the Maccabees here on a Monday morning of JM in the AM. I am Benjamin Siegel again filling in for my father for the next seven minutes before seven o'clock where they will be broadcasting. You'll hear the broadcast from Akor Chaim. It's 80 degrees and cloudy outside here in the New York area. In Guilford, New York, we have 64 degrees and partly cloudy. In a lot, 99 degrees. Hasn't hit that 100 mark yet in Yerushalayim. The temperature has moved up to 92 degrees. Uh, you heard just now Arim Roshi from the Maccabees, and before that, Lemanachai from the Maccabees and shall show a single. And uh, we'll hear one more track from the Maccabees before we take you straight in to the 7 o'clock hour from Israel, from Makor Chaim, from the Gush region. And I again encourage everybody to take the time that they have today and tomorrow and throughout this week. If you haven't heard the shows from last week, you will really, really enjoy them. They were unbelievable and something to listen to that will uh, keep you entertained and keep you informed of all the great things going on in Israel, especially from NCSY's summer programs and a live broadcast from the Nefesh Benefesh flight, a first time that they attempted that. And not only did the team at the Nachum Single Network attempt it, they were mightily successful. It was an unbelievable show. And really enjoyable listening to and hear is Ma Avarech from the Maka Beats. <laughs> Vigdolim, Vuketanim, 
Before we go to the live the broadcast from Israel, I just want to take this opportunity to thank Mayor Furtick, who will be sitting in in the third hour from 8 to 9 this morning, making sure that all is good here on the controls at JM in the AM. Again, Benjamin Siegel, and coming up right now is Nachum Siegel, my father, live from Israel. JM in the AM, our final day in the Holy Land, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting from the, well, broadcasting from Israel, but normally in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and of course, on the NSN app. And today, Sunday, Shivasar Batamuz, we get an opportunity to um, bring you two hours worth of programming for our Monday morning show, the first of our uh, shows during the three weeks format. And it's at the invitation of Yossi Baumel. Yossi Baumel is a very familiar name to our audience. He is now Director of Development for the Makar Chaim Institutions. Earlier we had an opportunity to see what the future of Makar Chaim will look like on an absolutely a beautiful area of Israel next to Neve Daniel that will uh, serve as their campus. And they are in the midst of uh, this incredible building project, and we get to uh, find out about its history and what's happening with Yossi Baumel. Yossi Baumel, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, uh, Nachum, and it's a pleasure to be here. Um, we shouldn't have too much pleasure during the three weeks, okay. but uh, we'll talk about how we connect up to God through our emotions, both good and bad, and uh, it's an important topic uh, th- during this period of the year. It certainly is. Uh, the, one of the first things I said to you um, when I saw the area where the yeshiva is and the area we're broadcasting from now 
I said, now I understand why you moved to Israel. This is one of the most beautiful areas and some of the most incredible sights and views. And, of course, it has a little bit of a rich history as well, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. And the weather's been great last week while you've been here as well. It's been That's cool, true. pleasant, beautiful. It's really uh, quiet. Uh, you would almost think it's a Sunday here, you know, on a, on a Sunday, but yeah. it was, it's a really beautiful area. It's the highest part of Israel, more or less, the uh, Judean mountain highlands. And uh, when people come to, to on tour with us, I show them interesting places mentioned uh, throughout Tanakh uh, about this area, including the place where King David wanted to build the temple here in Gush Etzion, as opposed to Yerushalayim. So you'll have to come on another tour to learn about that one, though. I am anxious to do so. All right, where are we right now? We are in the actual yeshiva, the current yeshiva, correct? That's correct. We're on the uh, Makrochaim campus. We've been here about 20 years. Um, we're on uh, Kibbutz Kfar Etzion, the first community that was set up after the Six-Day War, uh, that was reclaimed uh, after the Six-Day War. Uh, it's a kibbutz, a very interesting kibbutz, and uh, to have a yeshiva on, on the side of a kibbutz is a strange thing, but it's been a wonderful, wonderful partnership. You can talk to uh, Rabbi David Rabinovich, one of our yeshivas who lives here, uh, and he'll tell you more about it. Uh, it's a beautiful area. An historic area, an area that our forefathers walked on. I showed you before the Derech Avot, the right. road where Avram Yitzchak Yaakov walked on. I didn't mention to you that uh, Elazar HaMakabi uh, w- met his death trying to attack a Greek tank, actually, which was an elephant in those days. They used elephants instead of tanks. Uh, and uh, Sefer HaMakabim tells us that he took a spear and went underneath the elephant and stabbed it, and it collapsed on him and killed him. This happened right along that road that I showed you, and that's why the community, uh, adjacent community Elazar is named after Elazar HaMakabi, who uh, uh, met his heroic death uh, on that road. So uh, there's a little there. bit of Jewish history in this area. Oh, quite a bit, quite a bit. And how long ago did you get involved in the Kor Chaim? Well, I've been, uh, I don't know how to say this, but I've been spending Purim with the Rosh Hashiva for the last five, six years, because my son studied here. Uh, so I've been active uh, as a parent throughout the years. Uh, I joined them about uh, in April uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, they came to me and they said that they never had to raise money before. Baruch Hashem, the yeshiva is solvent as far as the overhead goes. We have tuition, government help. We didn't, they need to, never had a fundraising department. And then after the terrible tragedy of the kidnapping and the murder of the three boys... Um, the head of the civil administration showed up here like the next day after the kidnapping because he knew we had been asking for years for a place to build a permanent campus on. And uh, he showed up here and he said, I have a place for you. And once uh, they had, we had a place to build on, they had realized that even though the Israeli government is a very, very senior partner in this project, nevertheless, they're going to have to raise millions of dollars overseas in order to get this campus built. So the Rashiva came to me and asked me if maybe I would want to stop traveling an hour each way to stay road mm-hmm. instead of uh, five minutes from my house in Efrat to uh, Kfar Etzion. And uh, I showed him my sitter and I told him, you know, I have uh, a very, very deep connection to the yeshiva. I'm both a religious Zionist and a chassid. Uh, and uh, this is what you're all about. And I really, really would like the opportunity to come here. Uh, and I, so I started working here a little over a year ago. And everybody who's told me has told me that people come to work here not for for the institution, but they come to work for themselves. It changes them, and it has changed me at my advanced ripe age. I daven better now. I learn how to talk to God a little. I, I understand the importance of singing and dancing a little more than I used to. Uh, it's changed me quite a bit, and it's uh, really, really affecting the new generation here in Israel, the younger kids who, of course, as older parents, we don't understand what they're doing, but... Here in Makarchayim, um, they do understand the younger generation, and they know how to hook into them. So not just changing high schoolers, changing those who are way beyond high school. Oh, that's true. We have uh, well, we actually have three different programs besides the high school. 
you know, I was talking uh, about a year ago, I was talking to Nomi Maurer, uh, the owner of the Jewish Press, and I happened to say, oh, by the way, I'm working from Korchaim, I don't think you heard about it. She stops, she says, what do you mean? My grandson goes there. So I said, your grandson, he lives in the Shomron, what is he doing? So she says, everybody knows it's the best high school in Israel. That's what she said to me. Uh, but besides the high school, we also have a teacher's training program where we try to develop emotional intelligence in, in teachers together with Herzog College. Uh, which is uh, the college that grew here in Gush Etzion alongside Yeshiva Har Etzion. Uh, so we have a special um, teacher's training program called Lifnai Velifnim, or for short, Laflaf, which is an Israeli joke. But those of you know Hebrew, Laflaf is like a kid who's like, you know, a, a wimp. Uh, but uh, and the idea is to wake them up and get them uh, get their emotions out and get them uh, excited about what they're doing and that's our program together with Herzog College where we train teachers to stress emotional intelligence and things like that uh, and we also have an outreach program which we basically are changing the name it was called Beit Mitzrash Chachut, the study uh, for re- renewal uh, renewal study center uh, but it's not called Beit Tefillah the, I, what we do is we have sessions throughout the country we've been in not only throughout the country, throughout the world. We have been in South Africa, in the Upper West Side, in the Kalbach Shul. Uh, we've been in Marta Machpelah. We've been in Givat Shmuel. We've been, I'm just saying, the last half a year or so where we've been, every month we go on Rosh Chodesh, and we have a very, very joyous Rosh Chodesh uh, service. Afterwards, there's a, a class, usually a piece from Rabbi Nachman or from the Zohar, uh, and the idea is to t- get people to get in touch with their own emotions be- and get in, emotion- in touch with the emotions of their fellow man because the only way we can get to know God is through our fellow man. Mm. That's how it works. And yes. that's the idea. So those are the three uh, branches of the organization uh, that we're all trying to uh, use Hasidic um, foundations and ideas to uh, 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 address some of the real deep problems that we have today in modern Orthodox society. Yossi Baumel is here and he's our host, uh, Yeshiva Makar Chaim here in the Gush area of uh, Israel. Phone number for information at 718-734-6524 718-734-6524 It's Makor M-A-K-O-R at gmail.com and you can go to the website makorchaim.org Um couple of things we need to point out. Uh, one is to emphasize something you mentioned that I think is uh, important for people to realize. This campus project, quite obviously, would not be happening if not for this terrible tragedy of June 2014. Now, unfortunately, and that's one of the themes about how um, sad events somehow are the way you bury a seed in the ground and it rots and then something grows. The same, that's the same idea here, that sometimes things move ahead only after terrible tragedies. We have pictures of our Rosh Yeshiva with a black beard next to a sign saying the Yeshiva will be built here in Alon Shvut. We have him with a picture of him with a gray beard standing next to a sign in, in, in Efrat. And uh, finally, 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 it was only after the terrible tragedy that they got their act together, the government, the uh, civil administration, uh, to give us a piece of land to build on. So that's true that if not for that terrible tragedy, this whole project probably never would have gotten off the ground. And one of the other things that uh, you pointed out to me that I mentioned to our listeners, uh, based on the list you sent me, is that tragedy has struck a lot of families associated with Makar Chaim. You talk about those who are sacrificing for the Jewish people. There are many in the yeshiva that uh, have been affected by terror attacks, being relatives of uh, terror victims. It could be uh, sons, brothers, etc. I was actually talking to Simcha Hachbaum's son. I gave him a ride home from a wedding last week about this. And uh, for some reason, the families connected to the terror uh, events that took place in this area are either from Makar Chaim or from Otniel or both. And these are both yeshiva, uh, Otniel is a yeshiva has there that has the same kind of approach, a neo-Hasidic approach 
to education, and I was thinking about how we have to serve God either in sadness, and if, uh, like the people say, there's no, there's never an atheist in a foxhole. Right. So you know, people when people when tragedy strikes, everybody's davening, everybody's praying, everybody's strong, and I think the answer to that is that we have to strengthen our prayer and our emotions when we're happy, in a happy way, and then we can maybe hopefully avoid this kind of stuff. But it's really strange that it's struck these kind of institutions that stress emotional connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. No question about that. Um, how long will this project take? According to our uh, software, it'll take six years. In other words, if I raise all the money every month that's necessary for the next six years, then it'll take about six years to get the entire $20 million campus uh, off the ground, uh, I mean, con- con- constructed. As you saw, we're already working very strongly in, in, uh, on site, on uh, earthworks and uh, foundations and things like that. Uh, but it's going to take about six, seven years, and uh, hopefully by then we'll be able to move this. Uh, the kibbutz here, is, they're wonderful hosts, but they charge a lot of rent, mm-hmm. and they also want to expand, and we're sitting on their land, and they're trying to get us off for years already, and this is finally the opportunity to both set a, start a new community, sort of a new area in Eretz Yisrael near Neve Daniel, and also to uh, expand uh, Kfar Etzion and help them out with their uh, with their expansion here. And speaking of Kfar Etzion, I think our next guest is going to be arriving, Rabbi David Rabinovitz. He's a resident here uh, in Kfar Etzion, and you can talk to him more about that. People out there in our audience need to know that the... Um that the best way to see what's happening here and the best way to experience it is to come meet you here and to see what we saw today, which is the, the land where the, uh, uh, where the yeshiva is going to be and what the plans are for the future. You know, there's an old joke about the grandfather pushing his grandson in, in a carriage and kids, everybody says, oh, he's so cute. And uh, and uh, the grandfather says, this is nothing. You should see the pictures, right? <laughs> right. So the, the fact is you have to come here. <laughs> And see this area, and see the Derech Avot, and see the uh, the Jewish history that's so inherent, the modern Jewish history that's being made today, that was made ni- before 1948, and and was and, as was made thousands of years ago, all coming together in a very beautiful area and a very interesting area. And despite the area that I just drove you through is referred to as the uh, crossroads of death by the Israeli media. Thank God it's been very quiet for the last uh, couple of months, but. Uh, it's been the place that was a lot of terror struck here in the area. But Baruch Hashem, things are quiet now, and people are growing and getting ready for the new school year. School year, and uh, it's just a great, great place to be. And as people visit, and you know that the end of August, once Tisha B'Av has been completed, a lot of people start one and two week vacations and trips to Israel. So as they consider where, where to go and what to do, they should keep you in mind because it's a golden opportunity during that period of time to uh, come and visit the brand new, what will be the brand new campus of the yeshiva. Uh, I really want to remind all those people who told me they're coming uh, in the end of August to please contact me and tell me, because I think I wrote down everybody. I'm not sure I have everybody. <laughs> so please, please, please uh, contact us at those uh, at the uh, yossi.makor is the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, and uh, we'll be love to take you around and show you the area. It's Y-O-S-S-I dot Makar, M-A-K-O-R at gmail.com, yossi.makor at gmail.com. You can dial 718 718- Seven three four six five two four seven one eight seven three four six five two four. More coming up if you keep it here at JM and the AM. It's the first of our uh, first program in our three weeks format here at JM and the AM as we continue and conclude our broadcasts from the Holy Land. And the more coming up, we will uh, uh, get to our uh, to more of our guests in just a moment. Keep it here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
It's a Monday morning broadcast. I want to thank all the folks who have been instrumental in making our trip a success. Big thank you to our friends at the Inbal Hotel, our headquarters in Yerushalayim. I want to thank our friends at TravelCell, TravelCell.com, for keeping us connected back to our family, friends, and staff in the United States. Go to TravelCell.com for information for rentals anywhere, including Israel, of course. And... Um, uh, we thank everybody who's made this uh, this journey possible, including our friends at Traveler's Choice, Yossi and Devorah, and their entire staff for all of the help that they have given us. Uh, Rabbi uh, David Rabinowitz. Rabbi David Rabinowitz is co-Rosh Yeshiva uh, with uh, Rav Dov Singer of Yeshivat Makor Chaim, and he is with us here in our makeshift studio at Yeshivat Makor Chaim. Shalom, and welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom, shalom. A pleasure to meet you. Uh, what is so special, what is so different about Yeshivat Makor Chaim? Shivat Mechor Chaim, I don't know if it's very different, but it's special. Um, it's a yeshiva where students come to learn from all, is, all of Israel. From Eilat, we have students in Eilat and uh, Ramat Golan. I know that in uh, America it's not so far away, but here <laughs> that's, that's, the most, that's the most we can go. Yeah. There are some students that used to come. We had students from uh, Switzerland uh, and uh, from all over the world. Kids used to come, and that's one of the things we want, to have a uh, major of students that come not from one place, one little shtetl that live. They know the same, the same jokes. They know a little different. And here in Israel also, I'm not sure you understand the, the difference between someone that lives in Beit El or in Netanya or in Eilat. They're, they're different. And we feel that when we put all of these guys together, one could uh, join and learn a little bit from each other. That's why we have these two programs, unique programs, that uh, students come from uh, United States, yeah. from MTA to, to study by us. Kids come from South Africa to study here. That's part of the thing. We understand that if there are more 
cultures of Jewish in 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 our little things we know. But they're all different. Yeah, this is something I think our audience is going to find fascinating. MTA students come here for what length of time? How long are they here? About a month and a half, two months. And they're able to, I assume, continue their own studies while they're at Mekor Chaim experiencing the yeshiva, right? I would yeah, they, they learn their studies right. uh, afternoon. But in the morning, we have the same studies, right. the, same, uh, the same thing. And how large a contingent is it? I mean, how many students come from New York? Um, there were between 12 to 17. And what does that do for the yeshiva? Is it an interesting dynamic watching the Makor Chaim students who are here you know, on a regular basis interact with these visitors from the United States? First of all, when they come after a day or two, they're not visitors anymore. They're part of the yeshiva. And uh, I think it's, it's interesting for us to see these, to see when you see different people that... Uh, Get excited of things you do. It helps you also a lot of times, you know, to get excited about it. Oh, I understand that. But the transition at the beginning must be interesting. It must be yeah. fascinating to watch. Yeah, they're they're a bit different. Uh, they come first uh, with different clothes. Uh, after a day or two, they change. They change their clothes. probably with a lot more clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They change. They change it after a day or two. There are some of them that walk around in the middle of January when it's freezing they walk around with sandals just to, f- to feel that you can walk around with sandals in a school but <laughs> that's actually very interesting um, MTA which is of course Yeshiva University High School for Boys so they send a contingent here and the South Africa uh, Yeshiva College does the same thing they, they also a, a similar uh, number of students uh, a bit more they're about uh, 18 or 20 it's not because we they want a lot more, and every year we have like this time of year we have uh, telephones uh, back and forth. If we could squish in another one, I'm right. um, happy their parents don't come and see where they live. <laughs> we hope with the new building, it's going to be a little better. But uh, that's the maximum we could fit in. Squishing uh, you know another one in the so in now the any, room. anybody who wants to dedicate the new dormitory, Yossi Baum was more than happy to accept your donation for that. Uh, we're speaking with Rav David Rabinovich, who is the co-rosh yeshiva with Rav Dov Singer here at Makor Chaim. Um, most high schools do not have this type of exchange program, right? I would assume. I don't think so. You don't <laughs> think so. And it, it, isn't it difficult for you to run a yeshiva to begin with, that you would go ahead and bring students from around the world to to be part of all this? I, I would think it would be a difficult thing for you to do. Yeah, I think, but the yeshiva is about 30-something years old, and if you won't change and move and will stay the same place, you know, we'll open here at an old age home. So this is the way you move. You go a little here, right, left. You go from South Africa to New York, kids from Israel. I think it makes it uh, interesting. And Do you hear from the people at MTA and the people from South Africa, the administrators, about what type of effect this has on the students? We hear a lot, and, you know, if they're willing to pay for it, so I mean, I guess it's worth it. Right. But I think should ask them. Yeah, we will ask them, believe you me. Uh, are there English-speaking rabbeim here to the point where these students can come from foreign countries and sit in the shiurim? There are a few, but uh, we bring in a little staff that uh, now, the last two, two or three years, uh, students that learned here when they were in MTA... They come here for a year in yeshiva or something, or the, when they get older, and there's part of the staff. Right, so that's pretty amazing. Um, the um, the incredible synthesis that we hear about, and this is something Yossi spoke about before, of a traditional yeshiva environment plus this neo-Hasidic attitude. Could you describe that from your vantage point about how the two work together to really complete the high school student? 
long to talk about, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, okay, so I'll try. Um, I think that every generation has to understand how the way to go to get Hashem. In one of Rabbi Nachman's stories, a lot of the stories, the first one, he talks about Mishneh Lamelech. Uh, Mishneh Lamelech usually is the one that he went, goes to look for the Bat Melech, that that's Am Israel. Right. And I lear- learned once with a friend, and he said, you know, we should maybe call it a different name, not Mishneh Lamelech, but Meshaneh Lamelech. Meshaneh Lamelech means to change the Melech. It's not that we could change a Kadosh Baruch Hu, but the way we look at him, every door looks at a bit a different, in a different way. And I think what was good for our fathers, our grandfathers, has to get a little twist. doesn't have to change, chas v'shalom. It's the same thing, but with a different twist, with something else, with something that could affect and give power for the students. And I think through the chasidut, it's part of it, dancing, looking for your soul, looking for what you feel. I think it goes, goes good today. Yeah, it goes a long way, that's for sure. Uh, tell us about Kfar Etzion and the relationship between the kibbutz and the yeshiva. Well, Kfar Etzion is a very special place. Uh, there's the story here of Kfar Etzion was that uh, people came here about 1942, 41 to, to, to live here and to start a kibbutz. People that came from Europe, part of them came after the war and started here a kibbutz in 1948. The Jordanians and the Arabs around here uh, destroyed and uh, here, where the yeshiva is, exactly, uh, there's the museum, and on the, the grass outside here, the, uh, all of the soldiers that were left were, were murdered by the Jordanians. Uh, all of the mothers and kids, a few months before, left. And and left right? Yeah, and uh, the kibbutz started by Hanan Porat and his friends, the, the sons of the fathers and the mothers, they came back here to to establish a kibbutz, and we're here for the last 20 years. The thing is, the my parents were born the, in the United States, and they went, after they married, they decided uh, to come and live here in the kibbutz. So I was born here, but uh, a year later they decided it's not for them, and we moved to Yerushalayim. And, uh, and now you're back uh, yeah, here. I'm back here. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the Shuvu Achim campaign, the search for the three missing boys, and what it was like having Makar Chaim essentially as the epicenter of that whole effort, right? Yeah, it was one of the hardest uh, weeks in my life. It wasn't easy to run a yeshiva where two of the students are missing and nobody knows where they are, and you have 300 friends that really don't know what to do. Is it you daven, you learn, what do you do? when your friends are missing and everybody's looking for them. Uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, the beginning was like we had to help the army or stuff like that, just, you know, to, to they should know exactly what were they wearing and what clothes and everything. But later on was to hold a, 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 a learning tense of yeshiva with, uh, with very hard and a lot of chesed, a lot of people coming in here and trying to to help us out and uh, be with the students and go on. There was a type of the test, the end of the year test, the final test, to give them the test, not to give the test. It wasn't easy. It was a very difficult time. can only imagine. Uh, and we speak about the strength that their families had. 
I'm sure you saw a lot of strength in their in their fellow students and in the Rabbeim and everybody in the yeshiva as well. Yeah, it wasn't only strength. There's a lot of emunah and uh, and understanding that uh, we're 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 keeping on. We called it in Hebrew shigra regisha. I don't know how to translate it, but to keep on doing what we do, but to be very sensitive and to listen to everyone and uh, to, to to see which which students they need uh, help and. We had a whole staff of uh, psychologists and, uh, yeah, and everything you needed. Yeah. Um, and because of this tragedy, as we mentioned earlier, and we should mention throughout the entire morning, because of this tragedy, that's why there's a brand new $20 million campus going up for the yeshiva, which is quite ironic, but sometimes that's what happens, right? In the Yes, we 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 decided that uh, we have to keep on in life. And kasher yanu otoker ken and there's something to to give more life you know that's what we should do to sit down and cry won't help anything and we should go choose in life and do more what we did until we started a few new programs in yeshiva since uh, two years ago because we understand we have to do a lot more than we did before wow uh, Rav Rabinovich an honor to meet you your English much better than you said it would be. <laughs> Thank you. Tadaraba and continued success. Uh, Rav David Rabinovich, he is co Rosh Hashiva of Makar Chaim with Rav uh, Dov Singer. And um, I thank him very much. I remind everybody, and this is uh, the reason we're here, is to remind everybody that we have a, uh, a good friend in Israel who is in charge of the uh, Makar Chaim fundraising campaign for the brand new yeshiva. Um, a campus that at the moment is uh, being cleared and getting prepared for uh, uh, for the yeshiva. Uh, but soon, in just a few years, is going to be an amazing and outstanding yeshiva campus. And that's Yossi Baumel, of course, who leads the effort. And his phone number is area code 718-734-6524, 718-734-6524. Six five two four. I would hope that everybody who's coming to Israel, especially now as you plan your trips for the end of August, will be in touch with Yossi, who many of you know, of course, from this radio show, and get the tour. It's not He won't just show you the campus. Knowing him, he will show you the entire area and inspire you in terms of uh, what is happening here in the Gush. So 718-734-6524, 718-734-6524. Or you could use the email address, which he recommends even more than the phone number. That's yossi.makar.com at gmail.com, Y-O-S-S-I dot M-A-K-O-R at gmail.com, and that will get you directly to Yassi Baumel. Uh, we have more guests coming up. First, we're going to go to Rabbi Goldwasser for a little chizuk, and then continue with more here at JM in the AM. It's Monday, first day of our three weeks format, and we are visiting with Yeshiva Makor Chaim during the final day of our visit to Israel here at JM in the AM. This time, each and every Monday through Thursday, Rabbi David Goldwasser joins us. Um, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It says in Shmos, Usually, in order for a people to become a nation, they have to dwell in the same land where they were born and raised. If they become uprooted from their land and have to move elsewhere, they can't always maintain their own nationality. B'nai Yisrael, however, became a nation before they reached Eretz Yisrael. We have always been a nation, no matter which land we have gone to. The Yalkut Chodesh explains 
that the same language is employed with reference to Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land, as the expression that is used for the Torah. Torah Tzivolonu Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us the Torah, Moroshah, it is an inheritance, Kehilas Yaakov, for the Kehila of Yaakov. Because the inheritance of Eretz Yisrael is not something that a person has an everlasting schustu. We have this privilege if we live a life according to Torah. Our claim to Eretz Yisrael depends on Klau Yisrael guarding our nationality through Shmir Samitzvus in Torah learning. The Michtam Elio says, the fact that we have a Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael today is a nace. It's a miracle. It is among the great chasodim that Hashem has bestowed upon His nation. We are able to come from one extreme, the point of Chorben Europa, the Holocaust, to the other extreme, and reestablish the yeshivas in the great centers of Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael. We have to remember, though, there is an Eretz Yisrael de Lamata and an Eretz Yisrael Shalmaila, one that is below and one that is above. They both must exist simultaneously. We say in davening, Dovar Tziva Le'elef Dor, it has been thousands of years since we've gone into Golos, into the exile. How does the Ava, the great love, remain in our heart? The Michtam Elio explains, it's because of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. That Kedusha continues to draw us near, no matter how long the bitter Golos is. This is the Yerusha, the inheritance that we have from Avraham Avinu. He was Moshe Nefesh. He self-sacrificed for the Nisayan, the challenge of Lech Lecha. The Talmidim of the Belzarebi, Reb Shalom of Belz, had drawn water for the Maim Shalono, the special water which is used to bake matzahs. When they finished their task, they were leaving the water overnight to use the next day. They wished the Rebbe, L'shana haba Yerushalayim, next year in Yerushalayim. The Rebbe asked, why next year? We can take this water that we drew today and we can bake matzus in Yerushalayim and eat them in the presence of Mashiach tomorrow. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM, we're in our favorite place. We're in the land of Israel and uh, here today on this Yuvasar Batamas and a program you're listening to on Monday morning. We get the opportunity to uh, speak with the people at Yeshiva at Makor Chaim. Uh, Yassi Baumel, as we mentioned, is the contact person here as they embark on this brand new incredible uh, campus that's being built um, in the Gush Etzion area of Israel, uh, right next to Nevei Daniel. Uh, you can speak with Yassi at 718-734-6524, 718-734-6524, or yassi.makor, Y-O-S-S-I dot M-A-K-O-R at gmail dot com. And that will get you uh, all the information you need. Right, Mordechai Cohen is with us. He is a teacher of a special. Uh, of, he's the teacher of special needs classes here at Makor Chaim for those with learning disabilities, and um, they have a special approach. We are told to this whole area of education here at Makor Chaim. Rabbi Mordechai Cohen, welcome to JM in the AM. Hello, hello. Where Shalom. are you from originally? Born in Yerushalayim, Yer HaKodesh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but at age five, left with my family. My father was the founding director of the Or Sameach uh, JLE program. And we ended up, more than the three years that we planned to be in the States, 
when my father became the founding director, executive director of Avichai ah. Foundation. So we spent, I spent um, all my ele- elementary school years and another two uh, high school years in the States. Um, in the New York area? Muncie, New York. Uh-huh. I think I heard your program. I'm trying to remember <laughs> 20-something years back. Chances are you did. <laughs> and uh, ninth grade, I was in uh, Nary Yisrael, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, tenth grade, in, I was the first year of Ravi Rudinsky's yeshiva. In Muncie. In Muncie. And eleventh grade, I was back here, be- completely an American, and uh, embraced by Mokor Chaim in Yerushalayim for 11th and 12th grade, which made the big change in my life. So you're an alum. You can talk <sighs> about how great it is to be in the yeshiva. Completely. I, I think I owe my uh, religious and definitely Israeli life to the yeshiva. The yeshiva's uh, embrace, uh, taking me in as an American. There wasn't an American program then. I was like the only American in the yeshiva. And uh, I became part of the Mokohaim family and everything else is history. And we, and we should point out um, uh, what I just found out. That there are over 300 students here. I mean, this is a large institution servicing a lot of students from all over Israel. I think that's important for people to realize this is not a small 40-student campus. This right. is a then, back then, I think we were like 100 or 110 uh, students. We were in Yerushalayim, in a very small campus. But once it moved to Kfar Etzion, like 20 years ago, then it uh, became much bigger. So now it's way over 300. All right, what is special about the approach that you have and that Makor Chaim has when working with those with learning disabilities? Okay, as I said, I think Makor Chaim and me, I think whatever I would say is uh, Makor Chaim's approach. I've grew, I grew up as a Makor Chaim student, and I think my philosophy as uh, teachers is based on what I learned here and what I still learn here. Um, I think that one is realizing that students that have learning disabilities have a lot of other capabilities. Many of them could be used for learning as well. And basically trying to understand how I'm going to give them tools for life to be the best people they can, feel good about themselves, and do and do much, much better than maybe others expected for them, from them in, in previous times in their life. Meaning, I think a lot of students coming in to the yeshiva... Um, experienced very low expectations. Right. You know, okay, well, you have learning disabilities. You're ADHD. You're uh, uh, with emotional problems or whatever it is. So just don't bother us, and you know, get your 40 or 50 on a test and on your report card, and that's fine. You're you're just not gonna be somebody. You're not cut that, out for it, right? That's. And I think my approach is completely the opposite. I we I'll jump straight into a regular program. Every Thursday, we have a mishmer, like the yeshiva does. We're part of the yeshiva. Mm-hmm. So you have kids with ADHD that even if they took Ritalin at 8 o'clock in the morning, at 10 o'clock at night, they're still learning. They're part of the program. Mm-hmm. They're in the base medrash. So first of all, I don't know, all the academics have to try to explain that, how someone is learning at 10 o'clock at night after his Ritalin was definitely off by six or seven in the evening and he's learning and he's excited and he's part of the part of the thing he's, he's, he's part of the yeshiva he's being part of the atmosphere obviously we're learning in different ways at 10 o'clock I'm not, at night I'm not asking them to sit with gemaras right. even those who are capable of learning gemara a little bit in the morning They're, we're playing um, games trivia games um, 
as preparations for tests that they do at night. Um, things like uh, similar to Jeopardy, uh, things like that. And we're playing these kinds of games around Torah. Uh, if uh, jump ahead to Shavuos night, what is the kid who is not able to learn? What is he supposed to feel about himself as a Jew, as a religious Jew, if he can't learn on Shavuos night? That means he's class B, C. He's not the, he's not a good Jew. So, my students learn all of Shavuos night, just and differently or with different things. Right, this might. right. They play. We have games around the base medrash. They're running around looking for answers to riddles at two o'clock in the morning, or playing another uh, 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 trivia game, uh, ask, being asked questions, and again with prizes and everything, and and uh, completely into it. The Rosh Hashiva walks in. 2 o'clock in the morning to see what's going on and he says straight out to the kids I don't know the answers to those questions <laughs> they're, ans- they're answering questions on all of Shmuel Bet Melachim Aleph um, about the different names that nobody who just went through the farm remembers them and right. they know them and they're doing it at 2 o'clock in the morning when you went to high school in America I assume they did not do Melachim and Shmuel Aleph all right that's right. I had to make up a lot of that. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, projects that the that the um, special needs children take on, are those the ones you're describing now, or are there others that... Uh there are um, different kinds of projects that, again, try to make them have the feeling of being capable to be not just as good as others, but maybe even doing things better or different than others even uh, dream about. I'll give one um, from a few, uh, the previous uh, class that I had here and one from this year. The pre- a previous class that I had here, I started with them a volunteer project that we went into homes um, with people who needed help, um, physical help uh, with maintenance around the house. Mm-hmm. I taught these kids. They had good hands. Uh, I taught them how to work with tools. And once a week, I went with a group of my students into different homes, and we did different jobs around building things, making things, fixing things, and seeing people who changed their lives. Because many times, like uh, a home which is falling apart, uh, physically, we could see that it's the person, you know, that woman who was divorced and uh, her story around that divorce. And the home had different... um, uh, um, problems or whatever different things to be fixed that were actually um, reminding her of those bad times and when we fixed these things in the home and we made her a be- have a better feeling about her home we saw in those few weeks that we were in that project we saw the change in her, at- in her attitude and her feeling about her life uh, that's one of the, again so these my students were the best class AAA not B or C understood um, one that we did this year, there's a program named called Names Not Numbers, mm-hmm. um, running around all of uh, North America by Tova Rosenberg and uh, the Shiva University, MTA. And for the first time, she did that program here. What it is is a Holocaust survivor um, program where the students are actually not only interviewing, but also video videoing these survivors and the first class in Israel to do that project was my special ed class, yeah. meaning they're the best. 
and they did it amazingly. Four different Holocaust survivors were interviewed. And again, we ask, can these students do as well as others? How does a student with ADHD sit two and a half hours straight interviewing with a video on and with all this, these microphones? We can't even ruffle, you know, play with the paper in his hand because that, that's heard on the Great mic. Noise, right? And they did it. They did it. They sat two and a half hours interviewing the survivor and made movies of it. The Makarchaim graduates, they continue unto what? Where do they go? Into uh, yeshivas, mechinot. Um, some go straight to the army. Each. And those with learning disabilities, I assume, are mainstream at that point and can pursue whatever they wish. They're not the same, but they know to find the right place for them and feel good about it. Not feeling um, less than others, but I have to find the right yeshiva, and they do. Right. They find their place, and, and with a lot right of their place. friends. Uh, Rav Mordechai HaKohen, he teaches the special needs class here at, um, at Makar Chaim for those with uh, learning disabilities. And um, from what we hear and the way you've described it, you're doing quite a job. Congratulations. So what do you think of the new campus, by the way? The possibility, the, 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 not the possibility, the actual reality that now there's going to be a, a beautiful, large, and incredible Makar Chaim campus in the next few years. It definitely will make a better feeling for people who especially have the other, other trouble with learning, you know, to have a nice place and a calm place and a lot of other things that can come with a new campus, what could be technology, having right. uh, video options and things like that in the classroom. We look forward to all that. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. My pleasure. Uh, information about anything having to do with Makar Chaim, 718-734-6524. Yassi Baumel is available to everybody. Uh, if you email him at yassi, Y-O-S-S-I dot Makar, M-A-K-O-R at gmail.com, Yossi, Y-O-S-S-I dot Makar at gmail.com. Rav Danny Guttenmacher is a United States-born Rebbe here at um, Makar Chaim, and he joins us here on a Monday morning broadcast at JM and the AM. Shalom. Welcome to JM and the AM. Hi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Where are you from? Uh, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Queens <laughs> mainly. Uh, How'd you get to Makar Chaim? Got, got married, lived in Flatbush, <laughs> came on Aliyah. Oh, so you know the whole thing. And Bahashkacha, uh, uh, I came to uh, Makar Chaim. I met Rav Dov Zinger uh, by chance, sitting down next to him when he visited uh, Yeshivat Haratzion, where I was in Israel for the year. Right. And we became friends, we kept in touch. And when I came on Aliyah, I, got it. I remembered that he wanted to be in uh, Chinuch, so I got in touch with him, and I spoke to him, and they needed another Ram, because it was the second year of the yeshiva, and I joined the yeshiva in its third year of his existence in Yerushalayim. So how long are you with Makar Chaim? Uh, 29 years now. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, I am told that you are a great advocate of teaching Rabbi Nachman's teachings. Um, I think that uh, Rav Dov is still... The one who He's is the kid. expert and the one who pushes that most. I would say, uh, I would put it in perspective first. I do teach Gemara. I'm a Ram for Gemara. And most of the hours that I teach are Gemara. But I do teach Hasidut also. I sit down with kids individually before davening on Hasidut or with the class as a whole or at night once in a while. And it's mainly to add a very basic spiritual dimension to the lives of the kids. Rav Steinsaltz is always very proud of saying that the kids in Makor Chaim talk about God, they relate to Him, 
Um, we'll even have once in a while, let's say, uh, um, we'll have a meeting at the end of uh, a semester at night and we'll discuss what happened over the semester just to go over everything that happened and uh, I'll do some kind of special kind of discussion where instead of the kids talking to each other, each one will have to say what he felt about the semester and what he did, what he accomplished, but address it to God. In wow. front of his friends, <laughs> and it comes out very meaningful. They have to whittle out all kinds of unimportant things that they have in their minds, and they try and concentrate on something that's meaningful to them and important, and it, it's a very emotional kind of thing, but they do relate to God, and from there it deeps in, deepens their experience of Gemara also, I find, uh, when I teach Gemara in the morning. What is unique about Rabbi Nachman's teachings? Um, that again... I would send you to Rav Dov, right. but um, one of the things that I uh, enjoy from it is the direct communication with God, that a person will speak directly to, uh, to God in his own words beyond what is written in the Sidur Tefillah, and he will connect with his emotions. He will be able to learn how to connect with other people also because he's more in connection with his inner self. And he will also have some kind of inner belief, which is very important in our generation for the kids having some kind of inner push to uh, to be religious. And that's something that uh, Rav Nachman and Hasidut in general can help. Rav Danny Gutenmacher is here. Um, we're at Makar Chaim. You know, the senior trips, which is always a big deal, especially in the United States. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you know this. But uh, I just had uh, three seniors graduate. Our triplet just graduated high school. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so one of their one of their senior trips took them to Florida, and they went to a baseball game down there and did a couple of chesed projects, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I am told that your fun senior trip is something called Bishvile Yonatan. Could you explain what Bishvile Yonatan is and how it differs from what we do in the United States? Um, Bishvile Yonatan, uh, if you mentioned the name already, I do have to mention that it is in, uh, in memory of Yonatan Sukerman, uh, a boy who was killed in a car accident. And the parents wanted to be involved and further a unique project in the yeshiva. The project is that uh, we spend approximately... Um, I would say like four different weeks um, going around the country according to different themes. They'll have a week that does have, as you mentioned, something like Gmilut uh, Chasadim, but they'll right. hear people who are in charge of uh, stock up funds and how they give out the money, how they do social work. They will actually have to do the social work. They'll spend uh, like three, four days on that. From there, they'll go to Tel Aviv and have uh, like five days, even including Shabbat, depends on the schedule, but they will meet people in business, they will meet people in the media, they will meet people in all kinds of walks of life, uh, dati and not dati, and they will try and find their place, what it means to be somebody who is somebody who learns in yeshiva, but lives in Israel and is part of Israeli society. They have a week that has to do Shoalit Kuma, from the Shoah to the, the Medinat Yisrael, what the place is in Zionism. They have a Basically, it com and they have a week of Avodat Hashem, which is in the Galil, which is more uh, more of uh, Hasidut or New Age kind of things, exposing them to uh, kinds of religious experiences, especially in Tzfat. 
and in Meron and learning how to daven better and and meeting all different kinds of people in Israel. So it sounds like a fun trip. It's uh, <laughs> well, it sounds it's like something that's so much fun that the Ramim in charge also have difficulty keeping up with the kids. I could imagine, but it are going from morning to night for weeks on end. But it does sound very <laughs> fulfilling. Is, that's yeah. for sure. By the way, you you might be what we call a ringer because you have a son who's in the radio industry. Okay, right? um, I do. He's a well, be produ- ringer, he's a producer in Galitzal in the right. Army Radio, and he's actually the fourth uh, the fourth graduate of Mekor Chaim who went into the Army Radio. One already is uh, in Israeli television. Um, he didn't. Le- my son personally didn't look for it, but uh, he's a Makarchaim graduate. He's a Makarchaim graduate. He so is this the type it. of industry you encourage at Makarchaim for them to go into something like radio? It's definitely not something that we push, but it's as you might realize. Let's say from what we just mentioned about the program for the seniors of Shvilei Yonatan, the school. I think in general that there is uh, very often uh, an inverse relationship how open kids are in high schools, how open Jewish education is, and then how much they learn Gemara, how much they are from, or as they say in Israel, dosim, how much they really are makpid on the mitzvahs and learning Torah, how many hours they give to it. And over here in Makor Chaim, I think we try and break this inverse relationship that they be very strong in Torah and also be open to all kinds of things, participating in Israeli society. We don't push it as... Uh, as a national endeavor that uh, the religious people have to take over politically, the right wing has to take over um, the media. We don't do that. We try not to uh, push specific directions in politics. We want kids to be involved, but we're very open to it, and uh, I hope they succeed, and um, I hope they like what they're doing and they have influence. My son specifically is involved in the first... uh, the first time that they have a show on Galit Sal in Good Morning Time, Prime Time, I don't know, um, with Erel Segal, who's Dati and towards the right. right. And it's not usual that they have something like that, so it was basically an offer he couldn't refuse. Let him know that we air Galit Sal news every day in our radio station. <laughs> okay, thank I'm sure you. he'll be thrilled thank to find you. that out. <laughs> and finally, uh, you, do, uh, you do encourage your students to go and lecture in secular schools. Um, it is a combination of lecturing and also uh, we call it mifgashim. Uh, sometimes uh, they go into classes and actually um, do yichidot. They do a unit uh, that will have to do, uh, on, for example, on National Unity Day, where they go into schools in Tel Aviv. We did in Bnei Dror, which is uh, past Netanya. We went into schools, very large schools, and the kids divided up into different classes and discussed how the Jewish people are one people, what it means to be part of the Jewish people, the various segments of the population, and uh, on other occasions they also have, especially in the senior year, they have meetings with uh, non-religious schools where because they know how to listen to themselves and learn how to communicate with others, they are, I think, the best listeners and communicators to uh, their senior peers in different schools and there are very emotional occasions where they sit and discuss with them what it means to be dati, argue with them sometimes, sometimes listen, what it means to be chiloni, and uh, it's not something that's simple, it's a great challenge. I 
do say that I have confidence in them because they come out of it even stronger than they were before on a religious basis. Tadaraba, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, Rav Danny uh, Guttenmacher, who is a uh, United States-born Rebbe here at the Makar Chaim in Israel, as uh, we broadcast from the um, campus of Makar Chaim. I do remind you that our good friend Yossi Baumel is going to rejoin us in a few minutes is in charge of the development of this incredible campus, which is going to be situated right next to Neve Daniel. You should come and see it for yourself. And those of you traveling in August to Israel, take advantage of Yossi's offer. Uh, email him, yossi at makor at gmail.com, yossi, Y-O-S-S-I dot makor, M-A-K-O-R at gmail.com, or dial 718-734-6524, 718-734-6524. We are... Uh, we are broadcasting our final show from Israel on this Shavasa Batamu Sunday. You're listening to it on Monday morning. I do remind you the NSN app has pictures of everything going on here as we proceed. So if you turn on your app, you'll see the personalities that we're speaking to. In addition to that, of course, uh, Nahum Single Network Facebook update page will have all the uh, photos and updates, as will our website. So make sure to check it out, and you'll see what our visit to Makar Chaim was all about. I want to thank Avraham Mikaeli. And the VIP car service in Israel, chauffeured service in all of Israel with luxury minibuses and uh, that seat eight people, a Shomer Shabbos VIP car that we take advantage of and we thank him. It's VIP car at funinjerusalem.com, VIP car at funinjerusalem.com. And again, we thank our friends at Travel Cell who, um, who keep us connected back to the United States with family, friends, and staff. And a special thank you to uh, the person who's serving as our full staff today. It's Miriam Wallach, as we've as we've gone ahead and sent most of our staff back to the United States at this point. And I thank her. We'll go to this selection in our three weeks format. More coming up at JM in the AM. Yossi Baumel joins us next. Keep it here at four minutes before the hour at JM in the AM.
America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, normally broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. You could use the app to comment on anything going on during this show. You also see the app and uh, see all the different personalities we are speaking to as this radio show is going on. And I want to give a special welcome to those at 91, excuse me, I want to give a special um, welcome to those at 90.1 FM who on a Monday morning are listening as they travel from the Catskill region back to the New York area for a work week. It is the first day of our three weeks format. And you know where we are? We're at Yeshivat Makar Chaim in the Gush, where Yossi Baumel is Director of Development at the Makar Chaim Institutions. And he invites everybody, especially those who are coming to Israel in the next few weeks, to come and visit and see the site of the magnificent brand new campus which is planned for Makar Chaim. You can call him at 718-734-6524 or yassi.makar at gmail.com for information. Yassi Baumel, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. There we go. Great to be here again. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, look at this. It's an hour later and I know so much more about Makar Chaim than I did an hour ago. Uh, great guests, wonderful people. It seems that the yeshiva is really a crown jewel here in the educational system in Israel. And it's only going to get bigger and better with the beautiful campus that's being built in... Um, Neve Daniel. Right next to Neve Daniel. Right outside Neve Daniel, right? Right. right. In what some would be considered, might consider, a new area of, uh, of building here in Gush Etzion. All I need is Haaretz newspaper to report that there's a new settlement going up, yeah, right. and then uh, you know, because of the yeah, and then you know, I was well, trying to use proper language. I've done that kind of stuff in the past, but over here they don't let me do this kind of stuff. They're real, like so straight and so honest. Like you know, I I once filled uh, 
Berchat Sultan outside of the old city for an Avram Fried concert together with uh, my friend Shlomo Zwickler for Tarot Konim and for Beit Arot by leaking to Peace Now that we're going to have a concert for these two organizations and the Prime Minister was going to be there. So they started <gasps> demonstrating and because of that we sold all the tickets. Oh, funny. So uh, everybody has their place <laughs> in this world. They didn't let me use that kind of uh, strategy <laughs> here in Mekor Chaim. No, they're very straight here and very, you know, like... Uh, everything is like to me mystic, as they say in yeshiva. We 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 had been hearing, especially around the time of the uh, the kidnapping, that, that Rav Steinzaltz was connected to this yeshiva. Was he among the founders? What world? He in? was the founder. The founder. He pulled over Rav Dov Zinger and said, "You're going to be the Rosh Yeshiva." He did this 31 years ago. Wow. And uh, you and you're going to teach according to my basic ideas. Uh, and I'll, let me share some of those ideas with you, just very briefly. One idea is that you know we spend all our lives preparing we go we, you know our, our parents take care of us when we're little they send us to kindergarten so we can get into a good elementary school elementary school to get into a good high school good high school get a college get married get a co- uh, career etc 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 Rav Steinwald says when do we live the way to educate kids is to tell them you're in high school here this is your life now don't think about the future yes you have to prepare yes you have to study etc but still Look at life and try to get the most out of life this second. That's what you're here for. And, 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 and try to take part in the way you're educated here uh, in, uh, in, in Makar Chaim. So that's one idea is that you know, the, the, the world is here and now and not necessarily just for the future. The other, the other uh, point that, that I think that's been brought up by some of the previous people who were interviewed uh, was the idea that as opposed to everything we've been taught you know, you grew up in the Lower East Side. I grew up in Brooklyn. Well, I actually grew up in New Jersey. Oh, you yeah. grew up in New Jersey. Okay, <laughs> fine. You're still growing up in the Lower East Side. There you go. Okay. Anyway, uh, the idea is that if you want to be more closer to God and you want to be more religious, you have to cut yourself off from the outside world. Right. But the fact is that when we before we say Shema, we say we talk about how the angels uh, worship God, and it says alehem They connect up to God. The angels connect up to God, but connecting up to each other. Because we can't know God. We can only know what the, they, in Kabbalistic terms, they call the Levushim, the way he acts on this world, the way the, 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 the Midot, the, the ideas, the character traits we're supposed to learn from him. And the way to do that is connect up to the world that he created. He created this world with all its good and all its bad and all its challenges. And we must connect up to that world in order to get close to Hashem. And that's why the more religious you are, the more open you are. And that's why we are not Unit Day, we send we send out all 300 kids in pairs to 150 schools throughout the country, who, who meet and 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 give lectures to. I mean, you can see the pictures of these secular schools with girls and boys together. And other yeshivas wouldn't dare take a chance and and, and to to uh, send their kids up, but we do that because they have to face the world here and now today, and not. It's not a question of hiding them. It's a question of creating and forging something that will last throughout their lives uh, in a very uh, uh, special way. Uh, the, we heard about Shvile Yonatan, the right. program that our eighth grade, uh, our twenty, our um, graders. Twelfth graders take, um, uh, and with ideas to mic- meet up with all aspects of society. If you look at the pictures, which you can't see today because we're not doing the video, but we have pictures of our students meeting Arab neighbors in the villages here. We have pictures. I, I was re- last year. I was a, I was a, I was a guest at someone's house, and the Madrasa Rebbe from Bnei Brak was in the same in the staying in the same house. I pulled out for my briefcase a picture of our yeshiva visiting him 
in Bnei Brak because the Haredi world is part of the Israeli society also and you got to get to know everybody and hook up you know people always talk about unity the thing about unity with people who are less committed or less observant but we have to be committed, connected up to the entire Jew, uh, range of Jewish experience and that's part of our, our experiences that we're doing this is a part of the idea of the in, in exchange programs as well and uh, I want to give a shout out to Rabbi Mark Gottlieb who is now the educational director of the Tikva Fund but he, uh, when he was the principal of MTA he was the one who saw the, uh, the, the advantage of sending the kids here and he started the program and for our kids as well and I tell this to every visiting rabbi who comes here we want them to connect up to, to Judaism as it is throughout the world not just Zionism you know the stuff they sell here you know, or, you know in packages but people have to connect up and know that there's a Jewish world out there as well and this is when by Steinzeltz when he sent my son Eli who's a graduate of Makar Chaim when he sent him to be a, a Steinzeltz ambassador in Highland Park uh, Edison uh, New Jersey and he told him these, many of these people will never go on Aliyah. Don't be a Zionist uh, ambassador. Be a Jewish ambassador. Learn Torah with them. Connect them. Connect them up to God. Help them connect up to God, and that and you will have done your job. So all these, the common denominator of all these projects that we were talking about, uh, is the idea is that the the way to get to God is to open up to your fellow man, and that's why we had that unbelievable spirit during those three weeks when they were looking for the three boys out of our yeshiva and it was in the entire country united in a way that we don't remember since the Six Day War maybe even not since Har Sinai because of Facebook and stuff like that but it was an unbelievable experience and that whole emotional experience uh, you'll hear from Rachel Frankel soon that that came from the yeshiva's approach the more religious you are the more open you are to your fellow man is there a possibility of opening up Makor Chaim to more than just the uh, couple of schools from outside of Israel that are now associated with them? Are there others? You're talking about exchange programs? Yeah, a type of exchange program? Um, you have to understand, uh, there's no other high school in Israel that takes upon the logistic problems of being responsible for kids from overseas. It, it's a really, really... I'm shocked that they do it to begin with. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And the reason they did it was the way, the way I explained it. Robert Steinzeltz feels that our kids have to connect up with Jewish kids throughout the world and not just be limited to the narrow view of the Jewish world world from Israel. And uh, it's something that's very difficult to do. I don't know if we can really take on anything much more. You saw how uh, even the uh, South African program is limited because of the address we're not capable. We are working through our uh, teacher's education program, to try and set up other high schools like ours throughout the country and hopefully they will take part in in, in expanding this kind of program as well also. And that will only be helped by the brand new campus, I would guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's impossible. I mean, we all hear where our next guest is sitting here, a new Aleph from uh, Manhattan. They'll tell you about what it's like to live in these wonderful quarters here. Uh, we had la- uh, two, su- two winters ago, we had 540,000 shekel worth of snow damage. You know, it snows here in Gush Etzion. We had 540,000 shekel of damage with roofs collapsing because th- these are the same caravans that hosted Yeshivat Haaretzion when it was founded 46, 47 years ago. Okay, I have a secretary whose mother worked in the same room as she did, you know, one generation before. This place is falling apart, and we try our best to keep it up, but it's very expensive, and they want to get us off of here because they want to build, and we have no choice. We have to go ahead with this project, and... uh this is the challenge that All we right. have now. Our listeners can help, very simply. Um, it's a big fundraising campaign. Uh, a lot of money, tens of millions of dollars you described, are needed to create and to, uh, and to complete uh, the project. And uh, in addition, we're asking people to come and tour the area. They'll see something they've never seen before. Uh, they'll see the area being cleared for the actual campus, which is pretty cool in and of itself. 
and then you'll describe to them exactly what's well, going to be the, there. Well, the campus is located on Derech Avot with its uh, Second Temple mikvehs and uh, Roman milestones. It's like we got beachfront property on Israel's most historic route in, 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 in the last 5,000 years. Uh, and it's really something to see, but there's a lot more to see. As you know, when you come with me, you can see every, all the wonderful things happening in the area between Hebron and Yerushalayim, uh, from Kever Rachel to Hebron and to the wonderful, interesting places that we have over here. One, one place I like to take people to is uh, Givat Oz Vigaon, uh, which was started by uh, Nadia Matar right. and Judith Katzover, and also in memory of the three boys. It's next to Migdal Oz. There are a lot of interesting sources that I can show you about predicting the state of Israel, but what the Mal calls Memshalak Tana before Mashiach comes. All kinds of interesting things that are tied to this area. You that always you can see seem here. to know those things. Uh, yeah, it's my hobby. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so if you come on tour with me, you'll see a lot of interesting things. Not just the building sites, but a lot of interesting things in one of Israel's cutting edge, most important places. And I think our enemies know that also. That's why there have been so many waves of violence uh, in this specific area. Although right now it's very quiet and very nice, and you're all invited to join. Baruch Hashem. We're invited to join no matter what the conditions are, that's for sure. Uh, information again is uh, area code 718-734-6524. You expect those who are coming to visit Israel in the summer months, especially toward the end of August, to come and see the campus, see what the plans are. Go to, uh, uh, go to your email and write to yussi.makor.org. Uh, at yossi.makor at gmail.com that's yossi y-o-s-s-i dot makor m-a-k-o-r at gmail.com for all the information Benjamin Kermeyer is here Benjamin Kermeyer I believe we met the other night am I right? didn't we meet you the other night? am I right or wrong? yeah that microphone right there good morning good morning did we meet you the other night? Um, yeah we did at NCSY Colo right? yep how's it going over there? it's very good <laughs> glad to hear that <laughs> Benjamin Kermeyer is an Oleh Hadash how old are you if I may ask? I am 16 years old. You're 16 years old. You're now in Oleh Chadash. Uh, your father was uh, the rabbi of Fifth Avenue Synagogue, which many people in this audience know. And we remember him fondly from that, uh, from that uh, pulpit. And um, what is your association with Makar Chaim? Are you a student here? Yeah, I'm a student here. For how long? Since when? For a year. And how I'm has here. it been so far? Um, it's, been, it's been fulfilling. It's been challenging. Where were you in school before Makar Chaim? In MTA. Oh. Did, were you part of the exchange? Or, uh, yeah, exactly. And then you ended up coming here permanently? Yeah. Uh, so what is it like as a student? I mean, first of all, what's this adjustment like? You know, I, I mentioned earlier that the first couple of days on the exchange program must be interesting to see Israelis and Americans interact and get used to each other, so to speak. What, what is that experience like? The exchange program? Yeah. What is it like the first few days when you're trying to integrate into this Israeli high school? So the first few the first few days are pretty uh, confusing. <laughs> Most of the time we don't we don't really understand what's going on, but slowly uh, we started to understand, started to adjust and to connect with our Israeli roommates or Israeli classmates. And it was a very inspiring program. It's a lot of um, singing, a lot of um, learning, and. Out of Ruach, yeah. Very nice. And uh, now that you're a permanent student, how has this year been? Um, it's been it's been a long year. It's been it's been. It is a longer school year than what you're used to, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a very good year, but it's been challenging. Big adjustment. Um, we the culture here is completely different. In what way? Israelis, guess um. Less picky, less um, neat. 
um, I guess more um, touchy. <laughs> well, who's more? Who's more sensitive? The Israelis or the Americans? Americans are more sensitive, right. but yeah. And and the Israelis are uh, are a lot more what happy go lucky or yeah not exactly. as concerned about some of the details that you might be concerned with right exactly oh, yeah okay I'm glad I got that uh, and what are the uh, what are the I keep hearing from Yossi Bamel about the luxurious dormitory conditions here uh, how how nice is this campus um, it's pretty raw here it's pretty not gonna lie it's pretty um, basic <laughs> right that's one way of putting um, it live in a caravan with five other guys. We have a shower and a bathroom, and for part of the year, we actually shared the shower with a cat. <laughs> but <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah, um, it came from the Upper East Side, so it's definitely not the same. Yeah, for you, this must be interesting. From the Upper East Side to the Gush, showering in the same shower as a cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must be an interesting experience. Benjamin Kermeyer is here. He's an Oleh Hadash, and he is here at Makor Chaim. So, what grade are you in now officially? You're between which two grades? I'm going into 11th. You're going into 11th. So you, your entire high school career is going to end up being here. I mean, the majority of it, obviously. Right. So I did 10th grade again right. when I made all, yeah. Right. So and now you have two more years here. Yeah. Uh, what you, you know about the new campus, I would assume, right? That's why you're. That's why we're here, because there's a new campus being built right, here yeah. in Right, yeah. We actually saw the... We had a biking trip with McCorkheim, and we stopped by the new campus all right. where it's supposed to be. You know, it's funny. When my relatives moved to Israel... Um, so they were told that their first grader is going on a field trip. So they figured a field trip must be like, you know, a museum or, you know, something that we're used to in the United States. They didn't realize it was a 30-kilometer hike. You know, that that's what a field trip is here. What what are some of the interesting things you've done uh, that probably wouldn't take place in America? Well, as I mentioned, um, I don't think this would even take place anywhere else in Israel. We uh, did a biking trip in memory of one of the terror victims from Korchaim to... Um, to Yerushalayim, to Ben Yehuda, right. and closed off the roads. We biked a long biking trip. Um, we've done a couple of Tulim, like uh, hikes. We did a three-day hike. We Do sat. Upper East Siders like three-day hikes? Not so much. No. <laughs> Are you getting used to them? <laughs> yeah, we're getting used to them. But, yeah. Well, I can only imagine. And your status as an Olech Hadash, this was done with Nefesh Benefesh, right? Yeah, it was done with Nefesh Benefesh. And how nice was that experience? Um, to be honest, I wasn't really involved with <laughs> my parents. Yeah, I but, understand that. But um, I assume when you landed in Israel, there was a nice big celebration, and you got the feeling like Nefesh Benefesh right, did yeah. a pretty good job bringing a lot of people here, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You get that. When you were first told that there is a, um, when you were first told that there is a uh, a possibility that your family's moving to Israel, what was? For how old were you at the time, and what was your reaction? Well, it was like a half a year before we moved to Israel. Right. So you're entering high school, basically, at that point. Or you're just starting high school at that point, And you're told about this idea of moving to Israel, right? Right. So it was like, um, I think it was right before the, the um, exchange program, right. they told me. So and what do you think? I mean, how do you, you know, a lot of American kids at the age of 13, 14 are not exactly thrilled about moving, leaving right. friends and the activities they're used to. So what was it like for you? In the beginning, uh, I protested. I yelled at my parents. You and did was not very happy. You took to the streets. <laughs> yeah. And, but after a couple of months, started to, the idea started to sink in, started to like the idea more of living in Israel. And Once you got on the plane, you were excited about it? Yes, I was very excited about it. And what about your siblings? How have they adjusted here? Um, 
Uh, it's been also been a hard adjustment for them. The younger ones, I guess, it's easier for because they're younger and right. it's less of a. Time. How's your How's your Hebrew? My Hebrew is pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's sufficient. Yeah, it's enough sufficient. to get by at this point. Yeah, because after being in the dorms in Korchaim for a year, it has to be good. So yeah, I guess so. Uh, Benjamin Kermeyer, an Olechadash who is uh, enjoying Makor Chaim. I would assume, as you told me the other night, that you are the only native English speaker in the yeshiva. Am I right? You're the only student whose first language is English? Is that, is that correct? No, there's actually another kid who made Aliyah from South Africa. That, um, yeah. So, so it's he's the two a, of you. Yeah, it's the two of us. Yeah, so they say, oh, we have one more English speaker for you, and it's somebody from South Africa, who I'm yeah. sure you, <laughs> you have a different background than he has anyway. Right. What else can you tell us? Anything else, Anything we've left out in your experience here at Makarachayim? Um, Just the Ruach here is incredible. We do, um, particularly the Mishmar on Thursday nights, we do we dance for like a half hour, and then Rav Dove speaks, and... It's really incredible learning and singing, and just throughout the week, there's spontaneous dancing before mincha, or um, yeah. So on a it's typical just, day, they you can, can have just, dancing. Yeah, just break into dancing. Yep. A little different than the American high schools we're used to. Yeah, huh? very different. That's for sure. Benjamin Kermeyer, continue good luck, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Benjamin Kermeyer is 16 years old. He is uh, going into 11th grade in Oleh Hadash. His father, you'll recall, was the rabbi of Fifth Avenue Synagogue. And he is at Makar Chaim here in Israel. And we are encouraging our listeners to get to know the yeshiva. You can um, go ahead and uh, contact Yossi Baumel, especially if you're going to be visiting here. Israel over the next few weeks as a lot of people come during the uh, summer months and during the end of August once um, once uh, Tishabov is over a lot of people come and enjoy their time in Israel he's at 718-734-6524 718-734-6524 or yossi y-o-s-s-i dot makar m-a-k-o-r at gmail.com yossi dot makar at gmail.com this song I believe is, this is the one that became very well known throughout the world at the time of the kidnapping. Uh, here's Cole Zimra at JM in the AM.
That's a song that became very familiar to all of us around the time of the the kidnappings uh, back in June of 2014. All right, Miriam Al-Wallach is here, and we have a bunch of people to thank. This has been quite a a visit to Israel. What a trip. If I'm not mistaken, it began with Nefesh Benefesh, which (laughs) feels like five, six weeks ago or more. You're about to tell me their visiting day in camp was a week (gasps) ago. Was it last Sunday? Yes, yeah. it was last Sunday, but it feels like a world ago. <coughs> so thank you, Nefesh Benefesh, and uh, we spent a lot of time with them both on the plane and in the airport. Right. On Monday's show. On Tuesday's show. Rigavim was a an amazing experience, one that if you haven't heard, go to the archive Phenomenal. because we learned a lot that day, and that show, as good as we thought it would be, ended up being a million times better. And my thanks to Josh Haston. Yes, Josh Haston was phenomenal. Judy Grossman, a wonderful friend as usual. Always. And we thank everybody there. Um, the experience we had with NCSWAT <laughs> was remarkable. And I hope people got it on Thursday and Friday. I hope they... they hopped it? Well, they hopped it, but not just... <laughs> I, I hope I they... that's the first time we've ever said that on the end. <laughs> I hope they experienced it. I hope they experienced what we experienced. Because the visual was incredible, and people saw the video, and the audio was incredible. You heard Miriam Peretz, and you heard others, which was just remarkable. And that was, uh, for us, one of the most incredible two-day experiences ever, tying together both the uh, uh, NCSY COLA and its programs right. along with the OMNCSY. And then, of course, we are here today at Makar Chaim, 
a yeshiva that got international notoriety for not the best of reasons. Right, right. And, in fact, you remember who our guest was during the period of time. Yes, Rav Steinsel. Rav Steinsel was a guest of ours as the boys were being held and nobody knew where they were. And he made his... Uh, you know, his plea for prayer at that time for the boys that, you know, everybody in the world could participate in. Rav Steinsaltz, by the way, was a phenomenal interview. Oh, incredible. Uh, I mean, incredible incredible interview, both before and after. The the ability to just schmooze with him a oh, little bit. To be an academician and have a sense of humor. Right. Is, is amazing. Is, is amazing. And that's what he is. And then uh, our friend Yossi Baumel, who has been phenomenal with so many causes and has brought great attention to our audience to so many wonderful things here in Israel he becomes the director of development here for a project that you and I could not envision until we saw it just an hour ago and that is this amazing plot of land that's sitting next to a Neve Daniel that soon in the next five six years is going to have this 20 million dollar campus on it and Makar Chaim will no doubt be uh, even more noteworthy and will expand even further and all the great things we're hearing about this morning their special programs their unique take on being Yeshiva High School, etc., is just going to be bigger and better. See, but when we arrived at that entrance to Neve Daniel, where we met Yossi this morning, and we got out of the car, neither one of us knew what we were looking at. Right. But as soon as Yossi explained, that's where that is, and that's where that is, and this is where this is going to be, it was like, but of course. And it made perfect sense. And the fact that it is along Derech Avot, the, the path of the, of the patriarchs, and hearing that kind of actual you know, tangible connection to the land and to to our forefathers was like, well, of course it has to be here. Like, everything <laughs> exactly. just made exactly. sense. And we got out and we looked out on this vista and we were already taken as soon as we got out of the car by how beautiful it is. And I've been to Neve Daniel before and it is gorgeous. And this is more uh, on, a, on a piece of land like between El Azar and, and Neve Daniel. But we were already taken by the landscape, let alone the genius of planting Makor Chaim there. It just makes perfect sense. And it's funny because as you say it, I'm saying to myself that Yossi, without saying it, was basically saying to us that this is where it belongs. This is where it needs to exactly. be. Exactly. And this is where it's most appropriate. All right. Uh, everybody out there, as we await and we are hoping that Racheli Frankel is going to be joining us between now and the end of the broadcast, um, should we... Continue and she'll be here in a few minutes. Or oh, phenomenal! Fantastic. All right, so we are five minutes away from Racheli Frankel, who's our, our listeners, by the way, may remember that she joined us at the Celebrated Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue. A, an interview people are still talking about. An interview we're still talking about. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, she um, is something. She certainly is something, and that was a phenomenal experience in and of itself. And when you asked, do you remember what you asked her? I don't, but. You asked, her for, you asked her for a bracha. <laughs> right. you, explained, you explained about the Jewish Unity Initiative. You right. explained what our goals are. And you asked her for a bracha. And at one point, she almost looked, I mean, for lack of a better word, Perplexed. she looked flu <laughs> flustered. Like, you want a bracha from me? There is such anivas, there is such modesty. No where The way Racheli Frankel presents herself. And certainly, un everyone knows her. The, the very unfortunate is an understatement, the tragic story. Right. Um, she is the mother of one of the three boys who was just kidnapped and killed. Kidnapped and killed, tragically murdered th two summers ago. And um, it, for us, a little bit, it comes full circle. We came twice during Tsuketan. Right. We came during the heat of the, the the height of the war, I should say, with Nefesh Benefesh on a flight that most of the media did not want to take because we could not get them to leave Israel as the story was here. So Nefesh, while we they usually bring us once a summer 
asked us to come on the earlier flight as well. And we both came, and that was a crazy story in and of itself because we landed Tuesday morning. We had flights to leave Tuesday night, but that was the lovely night that the FAA closed all flights coming out of Israel into the United States. And so that posed its own challenges for those of us not flying with El Al, because El Al flies no matter what. (laughs) So, um, So the fact that we were here during the war... And st- and were able to bring those olim when there was no ceremony upon their arrival. There was no no major celebration. No group of three thousand people there waving flags. It was us and a number of other people, and it was a very very small core group. But to come back two years later, and to be here with that group that we were able to join last week, and now to invite Racheli Frankel on the air. To me, there's just a lot of coming full circle this trip. And as we'll discuss with her, the fact that the yeshiva is at this point, and I know it sounds crazy to say this, because of what happened, because of this terrible tragedy, which is unbelievable. And the feeling that, of course, Makor Chaim deserves this new campus. Of course they deserve it. Um, They spearheaded the the, the search for the boys. I mean, uh, you saw when um, Rabbi Rabinovich spoke at the beginning of this show, and you saw the pain. I mean, we're sitting here with him. It's two, two years, years later, later. And it's hard for him to talk about. Right. It's hard for him to talk about. It, it was one of his boys. Yeah. And so, you know, between this opportunity and also, as, as you and I mentioned the other day, when we went to pay a shiva call to the Rindanaus, to to be there and for Rabbi Rindanaus to say to you, I was part of the search for your father. Right. There is a lot of coming full circle on this trip that I just think is very poignant. Oh, 100%. Even the work we've done with NCSY over the years, and then being there for that whole celebration is incredible. Right. All right, we're here. Racheli Frankel is scheduled to join us within minutes. We're at the Yeshiva at Mokora Chaim on a Sunday. You're hearing it on a Monday morning edition of JM the AM, first program of our three weeks format. More coming up if you keep it here at JM the AM.
One of the selections that we feature here during our three weeks format as we slow down the music and play selections about Yerushalayim as often as possible and about Achdut. And uh, nobody knows more about Achdut, about Jewish unity, than our special guest who is here. You'll recall that in June of 2014, Ayal Yifrach, Naftali Frankel, and Gilad Sher were kidnapped and murdered by the enemy in an episode that uh, got international attention in an episode that really galvanized the Jewish world in a way that we have not seen, as Yossi Baumel said earlier, God knows what precedent in history we could even cite in terms of the unity that we saw uh, back during those 18 days. And uh, Racheli Frankel, who we had the privilege of speaking to when she was in New York at parade time, uh, is here with us at Yeshivat Makar Chaim, which was the epicenter of the uh, effort to uh, try to find and to pray for the boys after their kidnapping. Racheli Frankel, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It is so nice to see you. Same here. I feel much more at home here than <laughs> in the parade in New York. I can understand that. Uh, it must be... I can only imagine the mixed emotions as we make it obvious throughout this entire program that this new campus and this amazing yeshiva and its expansion, which is going to be taking place over the next few years, is essentially all because of this tragedy of two years ago. How does you, as the mother of Naftali Frankel, feel when you consider that? Well, the truth is I feel very cozy and at home here, and, you know, things are falling apart, but these are the seats that Naftali sat in and the Vet Midrash, etc. His older brother also learned here. But beyond that, any growth and, and, uh, you know, Good things that happen out of this tragedy are we're totally for it. Uh, more life, more learning, more joy, more Torah, more kids around here. Uh, it, it's just amazing to us. Uh, we're speaking to a slightly different audience than the last time we spoke, so I might ask you something that sounds similar to some of the things we talked about earlier. Um, there are people who are very curious about your disposition. Uh, 
Uh, there are people who are convinced that if, God forbid, they were in a similar circumstance, they might just you know, hide from the rest of the world and for the rest of their lives. Yet you project this incredible positive attitude, at least that's the way it looks to us, and always exude this feeling of hope and future for the Jewish people. Could you tell us how you do it? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, uh, as far as choosing not to stay at home, it's, uh, we were given such a tremendous hug from all around the Jewish world and so much unbelievable support that by the end of that summer, we truly felt a responsibility to keep some of that spirit alive. And, and you know, whenever we, we feel it's the right place to come out and, and to, to speak out and say we've been there, we were together, we were connected, we're, we can strive to, to, to that kind of height. Um, so we all have our private moments and, and you know, we're not in denial, but, but the rest of the time we're, uh, we try to experience our blessings and they're very many. Um, and basically, I don't know, you're asking about disposition. It's, everybody has their own toolbox. And in mine, I truly uh, try to find, you know, room for the pain, and there is, and room for the laughter, and there is, thank God. And um, I don't know, there's this, something I repeat, so I, I, I apologize if you heard me Are you say kidding? that before. Did you have to say it? That's worth saying. Um, <laughs> I can feel pain. I don't have to become my pain. I can feel sadness. I don't have to become my sadness. And in our inner landscape, we have so many other powers and colors and talents and experiences and so much blessing in our life that, I don't know, one could choose to take, you know, a bucket of black paint and spill it all over the, their lives. To me, it seems stupid. And also a great ingratitude to all the blessings we have. Wow. Um, when you say we, as you did earlier, uh, as you're answering this question, when you say we, you're referring to your family or to the three mothers or to both? <laughs> it's interesting. We, uh, we uh, if, if there was a fear of, of losing our individuality or our private corner here... It didn't happen. So when I say we, it's first me because I'm speaking for myself and then from my husband and children. And yes, we do have a lot in common with the Shire and the Ifah families. They're amazing people. And we were, again, <laughs> the, sometimes the grace, the chesed is surrounded, or I'll say it otherwise, the tragedy is surrounded by a special kind of grace. And one of the graces is that we were thrown into this with uh, amazing people. So, yeah, we share a lot with them. And, and thank God we, we're all coming along and our families are going on a healthy path. Tell me about the yeshiva from your perspective. You mentioned that one of your uh, older boys also was a student here. Uh, we're here trying to convince people that it's worthwhile for them to visit and see what's going on here with this special project when they're in Israel. What could you tell us from a parent's standpoint about this yeshiva? Well, my my oldest son uh, spent four years here. Naftali only got to spend three years here. Um, it's it's the most amazing combination of a place that's profoundly religious and committed, and yet uh, very very empowering of the students, very open-minded, very. Um, 
there's so many different phenomena here I can speak about. Uh, you, you deal with high school boys, which, uh, including my son, tend to be very cynical. <laughs> and yet there's uh, something here called a blitz. Blitz is blitzinut. You know, that time where you, you take off the masks and you, and you let yourself be real. It's a kind of place where people wear their hearts on their uh, outside of their sleeves, whatever uh, the English experience, um, and it's okay. And for high school boys to be in that place, it's it's really unbelievable. Uh, the Torah is amazing, very deep, very high level. The the academic uh, experience is a very good academic experience. The friendships are just absolutely amazing and they for us it's very meaningful because they last beyond uh, Naftali's life uh, we just had three over for Shabbat three friends of Naftali's we're surrounded by their classmates all the time they're they're big brothers to my younger children um, and I they tell them about their experiences with him I'm sure yeah and, and they, they're, they they're almost Naftali to them you know, it's uh, Naftali would have been now in his first year after high school. That's where they're at, and they come over and they play and they share and they and they're they're bringing Naftali home for us all the time. Wow, how I was I was going to ask you how your other members of your family are dealing with everything. Are they also able to? Uh, isolate the positive and continue forward after all this. You know, I'm not even sure it's isolating. It's a uh, it's a combination. It it's not about strength. It's about flexibility. It's about uh, living with it all. And thank God, my it, it I feel it's it's a heavenly gift uh, of healing. Um, you this is another thing I saw here in the school. They 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 had about 70 kids that just lost their two very good friends, right. just their classmates, the, the, the same age group. Right. And they had to go through 12th grade with them. And um, everything they did made them feel that they're trusted. Um, they had initiatives for commemoration, for, you know, for uh, living up, you know, going to trails together. And sometimes the parents were nervous. Maybe there, there aren't enough uh, adults or not enough, um, uh, I don't know, psychologists. And, and the educational staff here said, trust them. They, they know what's good for them. Um, let them go through this. And, and it's proven itself right. Uh, with, with enough trust, our children, thank God, are doing very well. Uh, their friends are continuing. It's, it's a life-changing experience, but yeah. you grow. This may sound like a strange question, but I'm sure there are a lot of mothers who are curious. Are you more of a nervous mother now? <laughs> no, I probably don't have the right gene for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <coughs> and um, we touched on this when we spoke in New York. Some of the unique reaction that you got, because you told us that it was not only members of the Jewish community, but worldwide it was even people who were not Jewish who took to your cause and felt a connection with you. Uh, that's true. Well, first of all, it's Enkam Chayisrael Goyechad Baaretz. There's an unbelievable uh, side of the Jewish people here that that I think defines who we are and what we're capable of. Real brotherhood. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, it's kinship. Beyond that, uh, a lot of non-Jews in the state of Israel, Bedouin, Druze, Muslims, Christians, just decent people came over to our house, uh, supported, hoped, prayed each in their own way, and around the world. Um, many, you know, good-hearted people that can't stand the idea of kids being involved in such a crucial act, cruel, sorry, cruel right. act. And, and yeah, we had amazing uh, interactions with non-Jews, and it's good to see that there's so many good people around. And we also mentioned that for those who think that Jewish unity is something that's unattainable, you've been through the experience to see that it's amazing how strong it can be. 
Yeah, I hear you're into it too. I'm certainly into it. Sometimes <laughs> I get frustrated because I wonder, I wonder if it'll have positive results. Yeah, right. But uh, your experience certainly was one that was very unifying. Yeah, it, it it was just unbelievable. And the truth is, we come to communities around the world, and they say a miracle happened to us. We had. Hasidic, ultra-Orthodox, modern-Orthodox, conservative, reform, so-called non-affiliate Jews all come together, first in prayer and demonstrations and rallies and then in memorials. And the, the elders of the communities don't remember something like this happened. So, you know, you actually, know that there are communities in the United States who just recently, over the last few weeks, have done uh, memorial commemorations inviting every... Wow! Well, well, any opportunity to bring people back together yeah. is is, an, is a treasure we we are not allowed to miss out on. It's unbelievable. Uh, I assume you know Miriam Peretz. I know Miriam Peretz. Uh, Miriam Peretz, we heard speak Thursday night at Yom NCSY with the message of uh, losing two boys uh, in their IDF service, and uh, her husband passed away subsequently. Uh, I would guess it's is it is it easier for you because we sit there bewildered, you know, wondering how she can continue and and be as strong as she is, very powerful personality with the message that she has, should I assume that it's easier for someone like you to understand all no, that? Miriam is just a- unbelievable. She's beyond human. <laughs> Even you say she's beyond human. Even yeah, for those and I, I don't want to be tested again. So. <laughs> right, understood. That's for sure. She, she's amazing. She, she also have, has the energy, runs around the, the country and the world to, to, to bring that message. Uh, Running from, you know, this shiva call after shiva call in this terror-stricken year. Right. Uh, and she comes there and she she gives the... the Presentation? You know, yeah, but uh, you remember there was the bride that... that uh, Nava her, Applebaum? Her, yeah, no, not uh, Nava, this year. Oh, this uh, year. Um, oh, of her, course, her with her the wedding. Right, right, right. Miriam was there. She was telling her, you know what it means to have a wedding in the in the family now. It, it gives energy to the whole uh, family to pick themselves <laughs> up, etc., etc. And she, she's just unbelievable. <laughs> Incredible. But I must tell you one thing. People at the time, people were saying the families, the families. And... Uh, Every time you get exposed to someone, Daphne Meir, uh, the families of, uh, I can name. Yeah, unfortunately, the list is long. You see unbelievable people, the people that were lost and the families around them. And I just got to the conclusion that you don't need terror to find out that they're just amazing people in this country and in this nation. So it's it's not about this person or that person, even, even though Miriam is totally unbelievable. Right. Uh, people are just made of, of wonderful stuff. Because I always comment that the enemy seems to take our best. You would say we're filled with our best over here. <laughs> when, when in the beginning of the search, there was a mayor of Nazareth in our, in our home, and he said, if um, Hamas would know how unified this made us, they would have never gone for that, uh, for this terror act. And if they would known how sometimes communities in Yeshivot are built because of it, they may also uh, yeah, uh, think and, twice. And here in Kvartion and, and, and in Kvartion especially, right. Yeah. Racheli Frankel, Tadaraba, thank you so thank much you, for being here. Pleasure. A thank real you. pleasure. Tadaraba, unbelievable. Racheli Frankel, of course, uh, with uh, inspiring words and certainly an important message of Jewish unity for us here at JM in the AM. Uh, we are going to start wrapping things up here from Yeshivat Makar Chaim on what is a Monday morning broadcast for us. As we uh, as we continue, we will have um, a Yassi Baumel close out our broadcast coming up right here at JM in the AM. So keep it here, and we will uh, and we will wrap things up from Yeshivat Makar Chaim. A reminder: the phone number for information is seven one eight seven three four six five two four. Again, that's seven one eight seven three four six five. Two, 
performed by the Makar Chaim Choir with the Frankel, Sher, and Yifrach families with internationally acclaimed artists including Avram Free, David Broza, Yonatan Razel, Yishai Rebo, Kopi Aflalo, and David Daor.
Yassi Baumel, what is it like when that song, B'tach Libcha, in memory of the three boys, is played here in Yeshivat Mekor Chaim? Uh, they don't want to hear it, actually. Really? Yeah, and uh, you're lucky that uh, Racheli Frankel left before you started playing it, because it just, people just break up when they hear it, because it just brings back that whole period, and they, they've gotten past it, they're trying to get past it, and that really is... By the way, we were asked to include it, I don't want people to think we did it, God no, forbid. No, 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 it's fine, right. it's, I want people to hear it, it's a sure. beautiful song, and it's a very meaningful song, and the video, if you go to YouTube, it's even uh, better, but... Uh, but uh, for the people who were close to them, uh, it was difficult. can only uh, imagine. We have learned a lot today. Yeah, well, let me uh, sum up. Uh, Please. Quick. I just, uh, you know, our campus is being built on Derech Avot, and the truth is the Jewish people are going through stages that are reflected in our forefathers. Avram Avinu was a settler. And these stages, by the way, even reflect my own career choices. Avram Avinu was a settler. Hebron, Beit El, he was a settler. Yitzhak Avinu invested in high-tech and went to live in the Negev, right? It says that he went to the Negev and he made Me'a Sharim. You know that the interest rates are a bit down since then, but he made 100% on his money. Um, so that was uh, Yitzhak Avinu. And so too, in Israel, like my generation, when we came in Aliyah, was settling the land. And the, our, younger, our younger married kids went to live in Kiryat Gat, right. in, in, in Kiryat Shmona, in, into the, the development towns. And that's Yitzhak Avinu, but in the end, it comes. If it's all going to last, it all has to be based on Yaakov Ishtam Yosheb Oli. What's in your heart? What's 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 going on in your heart? And I think the main message of Makar Chaim is that there is a void in our lives that we don't even we are aware that it exists. Our enemy does know that it exists. That's why every time there's a wave of violence here, they blame it on the Temple Mount, on the Beit Hamikdash. We ha- we are told that we're supposed to relate to God through three different ways: Torah, Avodah, and Gemilut Chasadim. Torah, there's never been more yeshivot than there are today. It's a fantastic situation. I'm sure God has a lot of uh, love and, and appreciation of the work that we're doing to build Torah in our generation. Kamilut chasadim, more fundraisers, more donors, more volunteers. It's, it's, it's fantastic. What's avodah? Torah, avodah, that's the third thing. It's one third. It's just as important as Torah and gemilut chasadim. What's avodah? So people go, well, davening, davening, that's instead of Karbanot. The, the idea is that we are supposed to hook up to God not only through the Torah uh, uh, on an intellectual level, but through an emotional level. But we don't know about that because we're homeless people. We're orphans. We lost the home where we used to connect up to God, and that's where the Beit Hamikdash. That's Neshama Parim Spatenu. The idea that that place where we would hook up to God is where we would relate to Him emotionally, and we've lost that. Modern psychologists say that a person's success is not based on his IQ; it's based on his EQ. Can he identify his own emotions? Can he identify those emotions in other people? Can he use those emotions to move himself forward? Can he get along with other people in a business? This is an important thing, and this is the message of Chasidut. Chasidut understood that we were missing something in our lives, that emotional connection to God and this is what Makar Chaim is bringing now uh, to back to this generation and to educators and throughout the world. We've been to sessions throughout the world on this. The idea is we have to connect up to God through our emotions and that's the basic message of Makar Chaim. You've seen it throughout the different programs and people that you've interviewed and uh, things we discussed today. We have half a minute. Go ahead, quickly. That's what I wanted to say. So, okay. I, just, uh, so I want to remind everybody that they should be in touch with you seriously and come and see what it's all about and get a free tour of an amazing area. 
Uh, Yassi Bamel at 718-734-6524. Yassi, Y-O-S-S-I dot Makor, M-A-K-O-R at gmail.com. And come and see this amazing area and the beautiful place where the brand new Makor Chaim campus will be. I just want people to imagine the the, possibility of dedicating something to one's parents or loved ones on Derech Avot. Or where Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov You're not going to find a better place to do it, and, folks. And, uh, and uh, this is something that uh, everybody, large and small, don't be scared by the price. We have the Israeli government as partners. Whatever people can do to help out this thing, you all need to be partners. Thank Achenu you so much. Ach- thank you so much. Achenu Yisrael and Achim our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listen to sponsor WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial broadcasting your, normally from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Tomorrow on Tuesday we'll have an opportunity to relive some of the uh, memories of this trip and to thank everybody who needs to be thanked for all their incredible work. My special thanks say to Miriam L. Wallach and our limited team who is, uh, who is um, uh, involved in today's broadcast. And a special thank you to Benjamin Siegel who is uh, our special engineer today and took care of our number one of JM in the AM. From Israel, Nahum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.